are here for a reason. This, 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 this news just in. Ready? Go, go, go. We are your news now. <laughs> right on radio. For continuous coverage, the latest information, separate fact from opinion. Get the truth. <laughs> Get the news. You're listening to Right On Radio.
day to you. Grace and peace be upon you, and thank you for being here on Sunday for our continued study in the book of Ephesians. I've been uh, super excited about this particular chapter uh, since we began the book of Ephesians. Spiritual warfare is going to be you know, probably the main part of this particular study that I'm going to focus on. Let me just open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I give you great thanks for the opportunity to share the word of the Lord with my brothers and sisters in Christ. I take seriously the responsibility of stewarding your word and being a steward, even with this community that you have uh, given us. And Lord, we pray we grow together in your word and in relationship with you, that we may be stronger and understand how to live right with you, Lord, and how to prosper your kingdom, not in our strength, but on yours. So Holy Spirit, we ask that you carry this word forth. I give you permission to speak through me, to continue to fill me, and I pray that you fill each and every one, and Lord, that you personalize your word for each person that is here. You give them that special thing that they need from this particular chapter in the word of God. I pray this in the name of Jesus, the one who died and rose again for our salvation and for our transference into the kingdom. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this one is... Well, I say this every time. I just, I just light up when I read the Word of God. This truly brings me joy. Maybe the Lord's trying to tell me something because doing the Mass Deception series does not bring me joy, but I feel I have to. I feel compelled. And let's face it, um, we live in some ugliness in this world, and we have to understand it. And narrow is the path, wide is the gate. We want to remain on the narrow path, and we do not want to fall for the deception. And there's a lot to say about deception when it comes to even the spiritual armor and how we fight. I really believe the Lord has given me some wisdom in this area, particularly because of what you know I'm doing here uh, with this podcast. And I have had to learn to fight. And at first, I learned to fight the wrong way. And I'm not saying that I have it all right, because I don't. I clearly don't, and I'll explain as we get into this. Um, I will most likely be doing a spiritual warfare segment in probably even in the conclusion 
of the mass deception series because it really comes into play and there's some stuff that i just will not be able to cover uh in completeness in this book and i think it's actually more appropriately placed on the uh in that series so um i'm going to go fairly fast on the first parts of this and not to say that they're not important there's huge lessons i could easily do you know just the you know the children and parents and the slaves and masters thing for this entire program and perhaps that's the way god will lead it but it is my intention <laughs> to get to the spiritual warfare and to focus on that. And uh, and beyond this, I don't know if we'll finish Ephesians 6 today. I hope to. And the Lord has not revealed completely what we will do next, although I really feel beyond the book of Ephesians that we will stay in the New Testament. And I really think that it's it's not to discount anything in the Old Testament because the Old Testament supports everything in the New Testament. However, we want to focus on the New Covenant because, well, if time is short, let's uh, let's focus on what Jesus is really telling us to do. So, please pray and. Uh, and even offer your suggestions, but uh, I'm confident it will be in the New Testament. Well, let me read the chapter, and then we will get into it. Oh, but before I read, I just want to give one overlapping sentiment about this chapter, and particularly the armor, armor of God, but um, really, it's a it's a commentary on the new covenant. So I really want you to hear this. There is something that I see in this chapter uh, because I've always looked at scripture through a stewardship lens. It just, that's what God has put on my heart. But what I want you to think about is the two different kingdoms right now. There is the temporary kingdom of this world who the prince of Persia is in control of. Now, he does have to bow down to God. We know that. But he has been given authority over this. And, you know, in the series New Goggles, I gave a lot of emphasis on when you were born again, you were transferred out of the kingdom of the world and you're transferred into God's kingdom. But where people get confused, they're not confused, but we misstep is because we still live in the world. And I really want to draw your attention to this because this is about being placed in the right kingdom and then acting accordingly to that. So when, as I read this chapter, keep in mind the two different kingdoms, and which one you belong to. Chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, 
which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may turn out well for you and you may live long on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in discipline and instruction of the Lord. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters, according to the flesh. With fear and trembling, in the sincerity of your heart, as to Christ, not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render service as to the Lord, and do, do not and not to people, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive this back from the Lord, whether slave or free. And masters, do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their masters and yours is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, and against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness, in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. Stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. In addition to all, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. With every prayer and request, pray at all times. In the Spirit, and with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints, and pray in my behalf that speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains, that in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Now, so that you also know about my circumstances as to what I am doing, Titius, the beloved brother and faithful servant of the Lord, will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God the Father and Lord Jesus Christ. 
Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love. Oh, man. I just see this now. <laughs> ah, the, the plans of man tend to fail. All right. So in chapter five, we covered the roles of men and women. And I, again, want to thank Beulah for joining me last week and potentially saving my marriage because I wasn't <laughs> going to just ramble on speaking by myself. Uh, you say a lot of stuff you don't intend to say when you uh, are carrying a one-way conversation. So <laughs> thank you, Beulah, and for your insight into the Lord's word, of course. Uh, very, very deep. And if you missed it last night, Beulah also gave a super powerful word um, in the Lord. And, uh, I, I, I admitted last night, I think part of it might be even life-changing for me. And, uh, you're missing out when you're not joining the singing prayer, singing poor prayer celebrations, uh, every Wednesday, seven 30 Eastern standard time. And on Saturday night at 8 PM Eastern standard time, in the, oh, you know what? I'm just going to probably it either next Saturday or the Saturday beyond that, uh, two weeks from now, we're going to do something different on Singapore and we're going to do it live on Podbean. Uh, I believe we can also put it on Telegram, but if you want to interact with us, it's going to be much easier if you are on Podbean with us. And uh, I think it's going to be a real special time. And uh, yeah, I I really think that God has something for us in doing that. And perhaps we'll do that maybe even once a month. It's a trial. We'll see. So there we learned about marriage and the role of the men and the women and now it goes to the children children obey your parents in the lord for this is right very simple honor your father and mother which is the first commandment with a promise and he's actually referring to an old testament scripture there, but the promise you have to understand between the old covenant and the new covenant. In the old covenant, they were they were promised the land and stuff like that. There's a new promise now in the new covenant. And it's really, you know, I often say on this podcast, everything is created in the spirit first, and then it manifests here on the earth in the physical and don't let new age theosophy steal that reality from us. They have to put in some truth with theirs and they know how things work because let's face it. The, uh, the enemy was there at the time of creation. He knows how things work. So it's not new age to say that, but in the old Testament, it, everything was really in a physical reality to pray to God and to make atonement. There were physical sacrifices and stuff like that. We don't need to do that now. Jesus was the final 
physical sacrifice. But you see, because the enemy plays in a different kingdom, the enemy still sacrifices because he's trying to use God's law. There, there was a reason why God had that. It's about the blood. I'm not going to get too off track there. But so the commandment with the promise, and it says, and this is in the New Testament, so it may turn out well for you. When you obey God's laws, your life is just better. There is no law against God's laws. God's laws supersede any law that man does. You, We are to obey the rules of this world unless they are in contradiction with God's law. And then we have the choice of being persecuted for our beliefs. Hallelujah. So what it's saying here is children to honor your parents is to honor God. It's your responsibility to, and even if your father or mother really fail, if children are instructed properly, they will do it as a service to God. Just like fathers and mothers will raise their children in a way that is to God first. And remember, I keep going back to new goggles because it really was such a transformational thing in my life. I show, showed a little diagram and it was always communicating through Jesus. So uh, father talks to his child, communicate through Jesus to that child and the child back to the father and, uh, and bring them up in the discipline which is an adherence, uh, discipline. We might think of it as spanking or something like that, but discipline is really an adherence to the instruction. Okay. And we give the instruction of the Lord, um, forsaking the instruction of, well, my dad told me this and for generations, you know, we've always been taught this. Well, it might not be of the Lord. So we must give the Lord's instruction rather than just Hours and some of the things that we've heard over the years that really are not true, but when a lie is told enough in our lives, it becomes somewhat of a truth because it's been repeated so many times. And, uh, you know, it just I gave that example in the Mass Deception series about, you know, myself repeating about this great harvest. It doesn't say that in the Bible, but I repeated it because so many good Christians have said it. I thought it was true. I looked. Is there a harvest? Absolutely. It actually talks more about a falling away. And then uh, slaves and masters. Again, I'm going to go a little bit quick on that, uh, on this part. Uh, slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh. So if your master tells you to, you know, do something, take out the garbage, don't think that that's below you. And where I look at these verses here is more as a stewardship thing. If the Lord gave you a job and your boss asks you to do something, you should do it. Even if you think it's beneath you. 
or whatever it is, you're being paid to do that. And as long as it's not contrary to your beliefs in God and God's word, you should do it and you should serve your employer as you're serving Christ. You're actually serving Christ by serving your employer. So when you can change your thought into that, and by the way, when it gets down uh, further in this chapter, pray without ceasing. Well, here's a good way for you to pray without ceasing. How can I serve the Lord by serving my boss? If you constantly are thinking those types of things, you are praying without ceasing. You see, the gospel is actually really simple. We make it way too complicated. And I think that's the devil wanting to make it too complicated, too hard to follow. It's not. Get to know the person of God. And one of the best ways to do that, and it's free for everyone on Podbean, go and listen to those Proverbs. If you really want to get the wisdom and to know how God thinks, the Proverbs is just a really great way to get it into your being uh, with repetition. And not just the Proverbs, obviously, but uh, I've had great success with it in my life. Uh, And don't be the way of eye service or people pleasers. And you know what? Everyone wants recognition. Uh, Sometimes we want to do things to get recognized. Maybe we need to feel the love. Look, it's we're going to fall, folks. We all do this stuff. But uh, it says, but as slaves of Christ... (laughs) Doing the will of God from the heart with goodwill render service as to the Lord. So not for what other people will think. And you know, if you if you look into human psychology, and I'm not making not everyone, but there's kind of a general statement out of there, out of you know, the study of how our mind works. And many people will spend the majority of their day and directing their actions geared towards how they want others to perceive them. And again, now you're working in the flesh. Worry about how God perceives you. And I'm, I'll just put forth to you that uh, man will perceive you in a much better way. You know, I I think of my wife, uh, my wife, is such a private person and and she does so much to help other people. She doesn't even want me to see what she does. She doesn't even want me to see it. I'm telling you, there is uh, what a godly woman in many, many ways. Man, I'm blessed. I am blessed. Sometimes I consider it a curse, (laughs) but I am truly blessed. Um, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, he will receive back from the Lord. So you receive back from the Lord. Don't worry about what you get back from the kingdom of this world. Again, which kingdom are we operating in? Worrying about what others think of us or worrying what God thinks of us?
All right. Um, and masters do the same things to them and give up threatening, knowing that both their masters and yours is in heaven. God does not give favor to the one that's in charge. <clears throat> that the one that's in charge might have favor in his life because he stewarded things better and got to that position. But there is a certain, there's a lot of grace for those who are the servants. And some of the happiest people in the world are those who just serve without having the huge responsibility of having lots of employees and stuff like that. And you know, when it, when it said you have the promise of a longer life, if you really take the onus off of you and remove those stresses, you will live longer. If you, if you can actually just give all these situations to the Lord, you're going to live longer, you know, unless the Lord has it planned that you're going to be in an accident of some kind or whatever it is. And sometimes he has his own purposes in these things. Don't overcomplicate it. But his word is true. All right. The armor of God. So important. Uh, just as I said, if you just tuned in a little bit late, uh, I'm going to cover more of this probably in the final installment of the Mass Deception series because it is very fitting there. And in this study, I usually just stick right to the chapter itself. I don't bring in all the other scriptures and stuff to reinforce it where I believe that I will be doing that in the uh, conclusion of the Mass Deception series and before we get into the next series, which will probably be more, uh, I mean, I'm not doing this on purpose, but it'll probably be more controversial than, uh, than the Mass Deception series because we're going to start going into, well, I'll set it up at another time. So finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. So with the armor of God, it's saying be strong in his might. Oh. There, there, I, I'm going to say a couple things here. If you watched the last installment, I talked about some of the spiritual fighting um, that came out. I talked about the courts of heaven, and it was just an overview. I didn't get in any details, but I talked about the courts of heaven and the spiritual mapping and stuff like that. The problem is, and it's part of the mass deception, folks, it puts the burden on you. Oh, I got a lot to say on this. We cannot fight in the flesh. You know, as a man and, you know, anyone who, if you've met me and a couple of you have met me in person, um, is Natasha here, for instance? Natasha's usually here on Sunday. Yeah, I saw Natasha. 
Um, I'm a big guy. I think Natasha would, you know, I, I, I'm not overly tall. I'm six foot two, but if you look at how thick my shoulders are and stuff like that, I'm a big guy. And there's a temptation for me always to want to fight in the flesh. Uh, first of all, I've had success in it. Uh, sometimes I think someone just needs a beating. I really believe it <laughs> with conviction in my heart. Um, I'm capable of doing it. I'm a trained fighter. And it's so, I don't want to say easy. There's some guys that can knock me out. No doubt about it. But you know what? I have to crucify the flesh. It's the circumcision of the heart. And I really have prayed to God that, Lord, I will never fight physically again. And if I have to run away from someone, even though, even though if I think I can beat them, I pray that I'll have the courage to do that and even wiggle my bum, make them laugh, whatever, as I run. But I'm telling you, it's the right thing to do because I don't want to fight in my strength. And that's where we have to understand which kingdom are we fighting in. And this is very clear. So to fight in his might, we are told to put on the full armor of God that, so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. Now, just concerning the armor of God, I want you to take notice that in this case, most of the armor is referred to as a defensive weapon, not an offensive weapon. If you are wearing armor and you were in a physical battle and the other person is not wearing armor, now that person might be a much better fighter than you are, you're going to stand a lot longer in that battle if you're wearing armor. The armor protects you. It can be used as an offensive weapon, absolutely. You hit someone with your shield, you're going to hurt them but it's a much harder offensive strike to hit with a shield. It's more of a defensive weapon, as you'll see as we go through. So I want you to hear me in this. They're defensive weapons, not offensive weapons. Now, just another thing about battles. You never enter a battle only planning a defense. If you're going to battle, you need to have offense as well. You will not win by defense alone. If in a football game, if your offense never comes onto the field, you're probably not going to win it. Okay. Now your defense can score touchdowns or whatever, you know, don't hear anything I'm not saying, but you will never plan 
a battle without having offense because you need to strike a blow. And when I do the follow-up in the other series, I'm going to talk a lot more about that. So why do we need to be able to stand firm? Well, if you were standing in a battle, and I'm just talking physically because it's metaphor. If you were standing straight up, feet right together, you know, standing like this, you're really easy to knock down. But if you spread your legs and you have a stance, you're not as easy to take down. So you need to be able to stand firm. You got to have your feet planted. Okay. And of course, you need to stand on the rock. The rock of Jesus. And you're going to see that here in a moment. Verse 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness, where? In the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, how often do we take offense when someone comes at us or someone disagrees and we go right back at them? We have to prove our point. No, my point is right. And then I'm allowed to have my thoughts too. I'm allowed. Where are you fighting? If someone's coming against you and they're attacking you, even in words, in a chat, anywhere, if they're attacking you, is it them in the flesh or is it something spiritual? Which kingdom are you fighting in? We were taken out of this of the world's kingdom, we are now placed in the heavenly kingdoms. If someone comes against you in the flesh, it is the spirit behind it. I can prove it without even going to scriptures. Remember I say everything starts in the physical or in the spiritual, then it manifests in the physical? What is a thought? I always give that example. Is a thought spiritual or is it physical? Before they come at you, they think it. Where that thought comes from could be the flesh, could be principalities. Maybe we can find out how to discern that later. But if someone comes at you, no matter which way, is it a battle in the physical or is it a battle in the spiritual? If you fight back in the physical, you're not fighting from the kingdom. Get this. So you're not devoured. You might be really good in the flesh. You might be really good at arguing. You might be really good at fighting. You're going to lose. 
Because now you're serving the devil's kingdom, not the kingdom of God. You lose. Even if you think you win in the flesh, you lose. I'm preaching to myself here. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Who are the rulers? It's the fallen angels. And against the powers. Do they have powers? Oh, yeah. They are mighty. And again, this is part of the danger when we're taught to go battle against principalities. You want to go into the second heavens and try to battle in the... It's a death sentence. Hear what I'm saying. More to come on that. And against the world forces of darkness. Well, who are the world forces of darkness? Well, the powers behind the forces in this world who are not of Christ are fallen angels. If you are not of Christ, you belong to the devil's kingdom. You're in the world system. So all those forces, all those armies, all the, they're all in the Antichrist camp if they do not have Christ with them. So there's some big forces out there. And the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. And I just want to bring up two examples really quick. And I'm not going to bring out the, you know, do a reading on them. But think of when Daniel uh, was praying for an answer. He goes, Lord, you showed me this and he was disturbed by it, but Lord, what does it mean? And then the messenger angel said that, you know, God heard it and dispatched him right away to give him the answer, but he got held up 21 days, three weeks in the second heaven, battling with Lucifer. And if it wasn't for the archangel Michael to come, the message would have been delayed even further. So there is a real battle in the second heavens. And unless we pray by the Spirit, we, we, our prayers can be blocked. We have to pray in the Spirit. I'll get into that in a minute. But also, the answers come back down through the second heavens. Another thing I want to point out about that is... Uh, in the power in the name of the Lord. And I've brought this up before, but when there was a basically the, a battle over what to do with Moses's body, it was again, the Archangel Michael who was standing there. So these are two spiritual beings. They're both angels, fallen angel and, a, and a godly angel. 
And instead of taking it on his own might and drawing his own sword, the Archangel Michael said, the Lord rebuke you. There is no power above the name of Jesus. But if we use the name of Jesus and we're fighting in the flesh, I don't know. I don't think it'll turn out too well. You have to be fighting in the spirit and fighting from the right kingdom. If you're in no man's land, if the evil kingdom is here of the world and the heavenly kingdom is on the other side and you decide to fight using the name of Jesus and you're standing in no man's land, good chance you're going to get hurt. Just saying. There's a lot to learn about this. So therefore, take up the full armor of God so that you will be able to resist on the evil day and having done everything to stand firm. So what does it mean to take up the full armor of God? And, and by the way, um, it was about a year and a half ago, I had a comedian on the show, Brad Stein, who's really an intellectual and a constitutional expert as well, but not just a comedian, although he's quite funny. But he said something that has stuck with me. He says, we're told to put on the armor. We're never instructed to take it off. And I think as we study this, you're going to understand that it never should come off. So the purpose of taking up the full armor of God is that so you will be able to resist on the evil day. What is the evil day? That's the day that you are tested. That's the day when you have to battle. Could you be tested by principalities and powers, you know, literally coming down in their form? Yes. I've had it happen to me. Many of you have had it happen to you. Yes, that can happen. Most time, it comes through other people. Again, are we going, are we battling against that person who comes against us or are we battling in the kingdom where the attack originated? And having done everything to stand firm. So verse 14, stand firm, therefore, having belted your waist with truth. Okay, so how do you have a belt of truth? You know, when he uses the word belt, I don't think God makes a mistake. He used the word belt for a reason. So let's think about this in a practical sense. When you see soldiers going out to battle, modern day, in the flesh, they put on a belt, and even policemen, and then on their belt, they have their holster, they have their flashlight, they have a stun gun. Uh, in the army, they might have grenades strapped to it. They have everything strapped there 
and it happens to be right about the you know right height for your hands because your hands hang down that you can grab whatever weapon you need right at that time and you have to know that it's there and you have to be trained in it so there's a belt of truth now what is the truth the word of god is the truth every word in the bible is true you need to stand firm on this truth and this is foundational because if you believe and this is how we do war think of it this way we're this is a talking about war okay so the belt of truth you're knowing that death has lost its sting. There is nothing that can happen to you if you stand firm in the truth. There's nothing that can happen to you that you should be afraid of. Nothing. Now, we all have our fears. None of us are perfect. But if you confess and you really believe the Bible to be true, what can come against you? It's one of your greatest weapons, and it's really defensive. You just have to stand there firm, knowing that you have the truth. Oh man, this is good. <laughs> and by the way, um, you know, in doing this series, and, I, and I'm just going to tell you the truth, I firmly believe, in fact, I've been told that there's like witches' covens and stuff like that that are coming against me. And the Lord, if the Lord is for me, who could be against me? Now, if I step out and I start battling in the flesh. I step into that no man's land, man. I'm going to get I'm going to get hurt. So I have to be very careful to stand on the truth. And when the enemy is lying, even lying through probably good people, we need to confront that with the truth. Which you're going to see is actually our offensive weapon as well. Most of these are defensive, some of it is offense. You always have an offense. And having put on the breastplate of righteousness. So again, why does he say breastplate? So breastplate is the armor that goes and protects your chest. It's your heart, your lungs. You know, if you take an arrow into your lung and you can't breathe, you're not going to be able to fight real well. If you take an arrow into heart, your heart, you're going to die, most likely. So having righteousness, and it has to be his righteousness, which kingdom. However, because we have some responsibility in this, the more righteous of a person you are, the more you walk in obedience to the Lord, the harder it is for that armor to be penetrated. 
but the only way to be able to walk in any righteousness and obedience to the word of God is by taking the onus off of yourself and putting it in the power of the Lord because we cannot do it in the flesh. We cannot do it. We And this is, again, part of the mass deception. It's putting the onus on you. It's up to him. We need to stand in his righteousness because we all have trappings. We all have failings. You know, you might have opened up a door by getting angry at someone or doing this or doing that. It doesn't matter what it is. But when the accuser comes and when the arrows start come, yes, you're right. I've repented of that sin and I don't stand in my righteousness, but I stand in his righteousness. Are you getting it? I'm just looking at the comments real quick. Amen. All right. Verse 15. And having strapped on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. You need to, it's strapping on your feet the preparation of the gospel of peace. To me, this is, you just need to stand on the rock of salvation. And you need to stand firm. Again, if sting is lost, it's, if death is lost, it's sting. What else can man or entities throw at you? Stand firm on the rock that is Jesus. Verse 16. In addition to all, so in addition to all of that, taking up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. So let's look. Why does he say a shield? Because there's stuff that's coming at you and you have a shield. But what is the shield? The shield is your faith. Because you believe. If you just stand on the rock and you don't actually believe it, It's no good. We're saved because of our because we have faith in Jesus. And the onus isn't on to us because he gives us that faith. Faith is a gift. We just have to choose it. So in that day of your testing, when the arrows start coming at you, will you choose to stand in your faith? Or will you choose to go fight the battle in the flesh because someone came at you and you don't have the fortitude, to, even though you've been a Christian for a long time, to see that it is not the person. We don't battle against the flesh and blood. We battle against the principalities and powers of the air. Verse 
and the flaming arrows of the evil one. I, it's interesting that he put in flaming arrows. And again, I he's talking about a shield here, and God did not make a mistake. So when you think of a physical battle, and this is the metaphor that's being given to us, they would shoot arrows, and, you know, the shields were made of wood most of the time, you know, back in biblical days when this was written. You know, they didn't have all the iron shields and stuff like that. I believe that came later. I'm not 100% sure, but they would have wooden shields for sure at some point in time. And so that those would absorb arrows and they worked. So then, you know, armies got smarter. Well, the, those are made of wood. Wood burns. I'm going to light that arrow and send it across. And if part of your armor catches fire, well, first of all, it's not going to be able to help you defend anymore. Plus, there's a good chance it's strapped to you and you're going to get burnt. Or you're going to throw it away from you and you're susceptible. So having something that is not penetrated by the fire behind it. In other words, the power behind it. So if you just put up your own defense and you're standing in no man's land, you're operating outside of fighting from the kingdom's fortress, you're having a shield, but it can burn. Is this making sense? I hope I hope I'm giving good analogies here. Give me a thumbs up and maybe even a comment if you if you don't mind. I really do appreciate the thumbs up. I haven't been putting much on YouTube and the algorithm's really really gone down. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Um verse 17 and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of god you know on uh, on dig's channel yesterday there was a uh, a really funny instagram post and it was just about 10 seconds long maybe even less but uh the person it was a, just a clip from a podcast and the person said you know Many Christians are spiritual streakers. They're out there naked. I'm thinking, what? So he goes, yeah, they put on the hel helmet of salvation and they don't put on anything else. That's just good enough. And if you don't put on the full armor of God, man, it's going to be a rough ride for you in this world, especially if you want to serve the Lord. If you put on the helmet of salvation, you got your insurance certificate. Okay, good enough for me. You can go through life and perhaps you can. Uh, but I wouldn't want to stand before the Lord and say, yeah, that was good enough. I took the free gift and, you know, I'm good. You're probably going to have the lowest place in uh, in heavenly places. I'll just put that forth to you. I think there's something good about being ambitious and really wanting to uh, stand before the Lord and said, man, I, I really... I really gave it my all. And I pray I'm going to get there one day because I'm not giving it my all yet. I want to. <laughs> but my flesh doesn't want to. 
many of you can relate. I know some of you are super holy, uh, so that wouldn't be you. But So what is the helmet? Well, a helmet protects your head. <laughs> your head is where your brain is. Your brain is this is the central operating system of your entire flesh unit. Kind of important. You can have all of your uh, limbs intact if your brain is gone. Man, uh, you know, there's not much happening. Let's just face it. So the helmet is probably the most important part of armor. And even as I ride my motorcycle, you know, a lot, I, most of the time I try to wear leather jackets and I always wear boots and I wear gloves and stuff like that. But on a hot day, man, I'm just out there in a tank top, right? Now, I know if I'm in a motorcycle accident, I'm going to leave skin on the pavement <laughs> and it's going to hurt. It's going to hurt bad. The pavement is going to win that battle against my flesh. But the helmet will probably save my cognitive functions. Now, I know a guy uh, from my past who was working a night shift and he was riding home on the highway at highway speed and fell asleep instantly on his Harley at highway speed and crashed. He had full gear on. You know what? He got up, walked away, no broken bones, no, because he wasn't brittle. You know, he didn't panic and he just, and uh, he, had, he had some bruising. That was it. Bike got beaten up pretty bad. He was good. He had the full armor on. So what is the helmet? Well, it's salvation. Again, that's the most important. If you have salvation, does it matter if someone says to you, you're ugly? Does it matter if someone said, man, you really sucked at that? Does it matter? <laughs> I've got salvation. I've got eternal life with the Lord Jesus. So come at me, pagan. You got nothing. Just saying, you might want to listen to the gospel that I preach. So finally, our weapon, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Let me just remind you, the word of God, which is Jesus, is so powerful when the word went forth, it created this planet, it created you, it created all the stars in the sky, it created the sun. We think of the sun as the most awesome power, is this ball of gas of infinite energy that supplies all the heat from this world from, I don't know what the distance is, I don't know if I believe the scientists, but it provides heat, it provides energy for plants to grow, it provides us vitamin D, what we need from the sun, all these things, and it's just this immense power. And when we think of the power of a nuclear bomb or an atomic bomb, which is a thousand times more powerful than the nuclear bomb, it's harvesting that energy that's in the sun. It's the splitting of atoms, essentially. And by the way, that all comes from water, which is hydrogen, and your body is filled with it. 
You know that your body is as powerful as an atomic bomb. The amount of water in your body is enough to power, like, for instance, the entire country of Canada for a day. Just the water in yours or probably blow up a good part of any continent if that water in your body was harvested in that way. That's how powerful we are, even in the flesh. But the word of God spoke all of these things into creation. So when we have the sword of the spirit, and it's a double-edged sword, so it hurts going in and it hurts coming out. And no matter which way you swing it, if you swing it with accuracy, knowing the word of God, believing the word of God, having faith in the word of God, you can swing the sword of the spirit. But it's also in the section of the armor of God. It's the last thing. So we are not to come out and be offensive. We start off in a defensive stance. And then we get the ultimate victory through Jesus and his word. Not, Not Jeff's word, not your word his word, but you must have the faith and you must have the, um, the belt of truth. You see, it says, put on the full armor of God. If you're missing one part of this armor of God and you're battling against principalities that are behind the flesh that comes against you, um, you're going to take some damage. All right, Um, let me finish this up. Man, I'm going a little bit long today, but I'm almost done. And uh, and I just, I'm going to finish the chapter today. Praise the Lord. See, the Lord does answer prayer. Um, With every prayer and request, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view, be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints. You know, we get, on average, throughout the different platforms, probably about 10,000 people will listen to most shows that, uh, that I put out. And... I would say probably 90% or greater of the people in this community or that watch the shows are Christians or claim to be Christians. And yet, when we have a prayer meeting, only 20 to 30 show up. And yet, we're commanded to pray. So why is that? Prayer's hard. And some of you are just thinking right away in the flesh, well, I can't do it because, uh, you know, Saturday I'm busy. We do it on Wednesday too. 
Now, some of you I know are in different time zones and it's the middle of the night, you know, obviously. I get it. But why aren't more of you joining the prayer? Do you think that our prayers are evil? Do you think that our prayers are ineffective? Do you think, oh, the Lord commanded it, but perhaps he didn't mean it? No. Yeah, I don't think you think any of those things. Prayer is hard. And there's some of you, and I'm not going to call out any names, and I'm not picking on anyone. It's perfectly fine to just be in attendance and be there. Some of you are busy with your families and you're just listening through your headphones to the prayer and you, you really can't participate. I get it. There's circumstances, so there's no judgment. But many of you uh, who are there and don't participate, you're thinking, well, I don't pray as good as Watching Wall or Laura or Kimberly or Angie. Or Angie. I don't pray as good as them. Remember what we just learned at the at the beginning of this? Don't be a pleaser of man. <laughs> Who cares if, if I think about that? <laughs> and and I might even think that. I try not to, but <laughs> man, that's a, that's kind of that person doesn't really know how to play pray well. That's okay. I don't pray well. But we pray by the spirit. Sometimes you just need to open your mouth. And you might have intended to say something. This happens to me all the time. And then all of a sudden, something else comes out. But you know what? I had to step out in faith. And I had to take that chance and just start praying. And you'll be amazed. And by the way, just like anything, um, if you want to be able to lift up more weight or carry more weight on your shoulders, you need to strengthen your muscles. Prayer is one of those things too. The more you do it, the more you'll get better at it. You'll get more in tune with what the Spirit is saying. You'll hear them more because you're practicing it more. It just stands to logic. But we are called to pray. And I just invite more of you. You know, I pray a lot. And I, many of you, you know, some of my prayers might seem very frivolous. But I do try to communicate through Christ. And even like just in responding to someone. And I don't have to create it. I don't do a lot of, you know, if I'm responding in chat, someone comes against me. And I get a lot of people that criticize me. I'm okay with that. But, you know, I don't play the game, well, this scripture says this, and they throw back, and this scripture says this, because it's you can make a scripture look any way you want it and be manipulative, folks. You have to take the whole gospel. So another, and not, most time, the way I will respond is not quoting a scripture and saying, so there. That's going on offense. I just simply kind of pray, Lord, give me the words to respond. And usually the words, and I'm not taking any credit for this, usually shut down an argument. And it's because it came from the Lord, not come from this guy's intellect. So praying at all times is simply 
walking with Christ. And one of the best ways, again, where do you spend most of your time at work? And the beginning of this chapter is, you know, in your work. You know, if you're a servant and if you're working, you are there to serve. Serve as you're serving Christ. So if you're communicating, Lord, and, and by the way, it is your distinct advantage over the entire world. You're working in an office or in a warehouse or doing whatever. You've got the Holy Spirit with you, which is an advantage over all of the world because the Holy Spirit is fully God and is more powerful than any a fallen entity or certainly anything that is created by the Godhead. So but be with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. Lord, you know what? I've got this project that I've been assigned by my boss. Lord, how can I do this with excellence and serve you? If, if you get that, that's having the mind of Christ by just filling up and being more focused on him. And then you'll see praying without ceasing really isn't that hard. Give thanks at every meal. Why? Because he provided it. He provided the chair you're sitting in. He provided the shelter over your head. He provided you the money to go get it. Your boss didn't give you that. He, the boss might have handed you your paycheck in the physical, but the job was given to you by the Lord. As were all things that you were called to be a steward of. And being a steward of your time is probably the most valuable asset that we have. And if you don't make time to pray, you're walking in disobedience to the Lord. And you're going to have a rough time of it, folks. God's word is true, and every word of it is true. And I'm just, I implore you, you know, one of the beautiful things about the Singing Poor Prayer Celebration is it's scheduled. So if you put that on your schedule, uh, the leaders have it all on their schedule, and they, they, want to be there they've scheduled they've committed to being there so there those are hours that they are guaranteed to be in prayer maybe you should have that accountability in your life maybe you should just say this is on my schedule and by me being there i'm going to be at least spending this one hour in prayer a week or two hours if you join wednesday and saturday only good can come from it Be alert with all perseverance and every request for all the saints. So we're called to be alert. We're called to know what's going on. How do you know what's going on? You have that unfair advantage of the Holy Spirit who will minister to you, who will show you things that are unseen, and he will show everyone. Well, the Lord's never really done that to me. How much time have you spent in prayer? How much time have you spent in prayer and listening? Do you put aside time to listen to God? Pray at all times in the spirit with this in view. Be alert with all perseverance. Pursue it. And every request for all the saints. Put everything up in prayer. 
and pray in my behalf that speech may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with the boldness of the mystery of the gospel. So pray for those that you're receiving from. And in this case, the Ephesians were receiving from Paul, the great apostle. He goes on to say, for which I am an ambassador in chains. He's chained to it. He's a prisoner of Christ. You remember he said that in the beginning of these of this book. And rem- just I just want to make this note. Remember, the first three chapters were who we are in Christ and what the blessings of being in Christ are. And then these last three chapters are how to walk it out. And this is the finale of the book. And it's so powerful because it's really given us the weapons that we need. And he talks about this whole section on prayer. And in proclaiming it, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Um, All right. And uh, finishing off here, uh, again, you know, these are very important points, and I don't want to just skim over them, but I'm just going to give you a couple key things that the Lord revealed to me in my studies. Uh, Verse 21, now, so you also may know about my circumstances as to what I am doing. Uh, Tychius, the beloved brother and faithful servant in the Lord, will make everything known to you. So he's leaving them a disciple. And he's confident in this disciple because this disciple He's a brother and he's faithful, which means he's learned. He He's trusted and he's leaving him there, uh, not only for the communications to the apostle. And the apostle really is, even in modern day, the, the planter of the church has some spiritual authority over that church. Some doesn't become the king of it. That's the difference in the stuff we're talking about in this series. But <clears throat> so he's discipled someone and he's left someone. He did not, he does, he's not leaving the people of Ephesus alone. He's leaving them there with someone to train. Uh, and he's a servant in the Lord, in the Lord. So, which means he's obedient to the Lord and will make everything known to you. I have sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. This is brilliant. Where do you see this before in scripture? How about Jesus when he says, well, I must go back up and to the kingdom, but I'm going to send someone to you. He's sending the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do? What's the primary job of the Holy Spirit? It's to make the things of Christ known. So Paul is actually emulating Jesus Christ here by sending this disciple. He's to let let him know about us. That's what the Holy Spirit does for the Godhead, to let us know about the Godhead. And... uh, and, and he's the comforter. Jesus said that he may comfort you. 
it's always good to have someone who, you know, when you surround yourself with people who know the gospel better than you do, um, live the, live out the, the life, uh, as a disciple in the way better than you do, you will get better. When you surround yourself with better people, you become better. So he sent this man so they can become better and be comforted. Uh, and verse 23 and 24, peace be to the brothers and sisters and love with faith from God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just going to stop there for a quick second. You know, there's a lot of preachers and uh, and people uh, these days, thus saith the Lord. You hear that a lot. <laughs> especially when they give new revelation, thus saith the Lord. I won't digress on that, but what I want to say here is when someone say, thus saith the Lord, it had better be coming from the Lord. And Paul was so confident in his walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, he could speak boldly as he should, as we just passed those verses, he is speaking for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he says, with and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He's speaking, or they're speaking through him. Grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with incorruptible love um, to really live in grace is to be in relationship with God because that's his gift to you and I believe the more closely we will ourselves to be in the will of God the more grace he'll put upon your life. So it's not in your strength. It's just you will yourself to be in his will and his grace will overcome you. Amen. Um, thank you for being here, everyone. And uh, I just want to say those words from my heart to you. Grace be with you and love from our Lord Jesus Christ with his incorruptible love. Again, please give me a, a like and, a, and leave, leave a comment if you don't mind. Even share the show if you think it was uh, something that might benefit someone. I really felt strongly that the Lord gave me some good revelation about it and these given me some good experience in doing battle because many people come against me. Mind you, I have many people praying for me too. Many. In fact, I have many more people praying for me and with me uh, than I have praying against me. I'm confident in that. But I'm most confident in the Lord. May God bless each and every one of you. And remember, 
to love your God, love your family, love your neighbor as yourself, and make a difference in your community.